When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. This is The Opus, an exploration of legendary records and their ongoing legacy. Not just the history, but how the music continues to evolve. How it keeps shaping lives, shaking rafters, and embedding itself into our culture. I'm your host, Jill Hopkins. And in our latest season, I'm joined by Carlos Santana, Michael Shreve, AJ Davila, and many more to revisit Santana's second studio album, the Afro-Caribbean rock icon and staple, Abraxas. We discuss the band's journey from the hate to Woodstock to the world, the making of the album, and the talent of the players and the iconography that's influenced generations. Maybe you're a longtime fan that wants to go deeper. Maybe you're a first-time listener looking to dive in. Either way, you're in the right place. Find us at Consequence of Sound or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Lior Phillips, host of This Must Be The Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music. Speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and, of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you so much for finding your way here, checking out this episode and series. If you're not already, I do hope you'll hit the subscribe button so you can keep up with all the interviews that we put out. Uh, three interviews a week, one Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It's a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists, discover some new ones, know what's happening in the music world. And of course, you can find us at all the major spots like iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, and YouTube, where we recorded the uh, Zoom version of this. I'm Kyle Meredith, and this that I am talking about is an interview with the one and only Leslie Odom Jr. Talking to him once again about uh, uh, Christmas music. In fact, it's Leslie Odom's second Christmas album called 
the Christmas album. Uh, we're going to get into uh, him writing originals this time around. The first Christmas album was all st- uh, traditional and standards. This time there's a pair of originals. Uh, and knowing how to add those uh, Christmas touchstones into something that you are writing for the season. He'll also tell us about how the pandemic has sort of felt like the holidays due to, uh, you know, being around his family uh, quite a bit more. How when tackling the classics, you still want to add a little bit something new to them. He's done that plenty of times on this record, covering Sarah Bareilles' Winter Song and also re-recording the song Cold. It was originally on his last record, Mister. He got together with Sia for a new version of that. That's While it's not on the Christmas album, it sort of does lead uh, work as a lead-in to the record. Now, outside of that, we also know Leslie Odom Jr. from his acting career. He's got a movie on the way called One Night in Miami. It's directed by Regina King. It has him playing Sam Cooke and is about one night in Miami that uh, involves Sam Cooke, uh, a very young Muhammad Ali when he was known by as Cassius Clay and Malcolm X. So that comes out in December. I want to hear about that as well. And then of course there's Hamilton. Yes, we all know Leslie from the Hamilton Broadway show as he played Aaron Burr. Uh, you know, it's been a few years now since he put on those uh, those shoes, but that Disney Plus put out Hamilton over the summer. I want to hear about what that experience uh, has been like and what impact it's had on his life in the meantime. So let's get into this and discuss the Christmas album. It's Kyle Meredith with Leslie Odom Jr. It's good to see you again. We got to talk last year about a new record, and here you are. You're back with a Christmas album. Yes. Look, I'm like you. I'm, I'm not quite as prolific. You do three episodes a week. Every week, man. It's three of these. I've listened to a bunch of them, but I didn't know they were that. I didn't know you were that sort of <laughs> voluminous with your with your no, release. It's amazing. Please keep it coming. I mean, this is all about you, but I'm going to take it right now. This is. <laughs> I have, I have, I'm back with another new album, but I got to get on your level, Kyle. My goodness. No, 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 man! Congratulations. Let me tell you, the Christmas album has been done many times countless times or whatever people do christmas albums and you never exactly know what to expect when someone says oh they're gonna have a christmas album it's like okay is another one of these you i mean maybe it's because we're you know you so exceeded my expectations right off the bat and i'm a fan of your music to begin with so it's not like that bar was low but like first off i say it anytime but i feel like every artist should aspire to write a christmas hit like you can make an entire career off of just one song yeah and the first time I heard the, the opening track on the Christmas album, it's a song called Snow. And I had to check my notes like, wait, no, this is an old song, right? This is a classic. That's it's right. not. Yes. Yes. That was that was the goal, man. You know, we um, first and foremost, we um, uh, it is the it is our second foray into the Christmas album. We put out I put out a Christmas album not too long after I left Hamilton really because fans were kind of hitting me up on Twitter and stuff. Like you got to record a Christmas album. You got a Christmas album kind of voice, which I didn't know if I should be offended by, or, but <laughs> we did it. And, um, and I, I'm so proud of it, you know, but it, but it, it is very much a snapshot into where I was artistically as a recording artist and also what our resources were, our limited, our very limited resources as a little, as a, a little collective, you know, it was really me and my producer and the musicians that we knew on the on the East Coast. But now, after Mister, you know, we do that. 
I knew after the Christmas album, like the next challenge was to record an album of all original music. It was very scary, but I knew that if I was going to be taken seriously as an artist at all, you got to do that. And I'd also been told for years, like, well, if you put out a piece of music and you expect people to find their way to it organically, you know, you're out of your mind. You have to tour a record. You got to get behind that thing and you got to play everywhere in the country. You got to, you know, middle schools, county fairs, you got to, you know, do the whole thing. And so we had prepared the tour for a year and, you know, coronavirus happens and the tour gets canceled. So like everybody else, I was caught in the middle of something, you know, COVID and uh, restrictions to our movement caught me in the middle of something. And so tour gets canceled and I'm, I'm just home, man, you know? Um, and I, I didn't really feel, I wasn't feeling creatively inspired to make anything for a while. Like a lot of us, I was just bracing for impact. You know, I didn't know how close this thing was going to get to home, how serious it was going to be. But, you know, I don't know, three months in, you know, I'm looking around and my wife is certainly tired of me <laughs> sitting on the couch. And, and yeah, we t- I got my COVID test and I figured out a way to get the band back together. And this time to, to, to work on something creatively and to get to build off of what we had made with Mr. You know, it was all these new relationships now working with Theron Nephew Feimster, who was um, my executive producer along with Joseph Abate on Mr. You know, I we got back together and we just continued from where we left off, you know. Well, it's Christmas music, but we sonically, we were trying to go even farther than we pushed it, pushed ourselves on Mr. And again, you get that right from Snow, which I will say just sounds like a classic right from the beginning in all the best ways. So here, there, there are two originals on here, uh, and they book in the album, Snow and, and Heaven on Earth. Even coming from Mr. When You Know It's Gonna Be a Christmas Song. Like I was thinking like, you know, for artists who have been tapped to write the Bond theme songs, there's sort of a sandbox you play in, you know, there's sort of not parameters, but you know, like, do you find that when you're going in and when you're writing Snow and Heaven and Earth uh, that, that there are certain touchstones that you might want to include? Yeah, that's a great, great question and a great way to think about it. Right. We um, Christmas, part of the reason I think uh, part of the reason I know I was inspired to make this is because the only time really as Americans that we allow ourselves to pause in the way that we've paused, have paused for the last seven months is the holidays really though those three weeks between christmas and new year's um has only time that we are home like this that we put ourselves ourselves on self-imposed lockdown and you know things slow down and so there was while this was it definitely had a different feel and a different vibe the closest thing i could relate it to was like it felt like the holidays you know just home with my family cooking and spending time together and laughing and playing games and stuff. So trying to take our mind, you know, distract ourselves a little bit. But Christmas is about tradition in America. You know, it's it's part of the reason why, you know, you can get away with singing the Christmas song and you can get away with singing Frosty the Snowman because these they have, uh, they're just such deep memories it's such a deep memory bank that we have from childhood and, and our and our own person good memories bad memories but memories you know mm-hmm. that we're tapping into so yeah we we st- we knew we wanted to 
continue pushing ourselves to write original material. Uh, but we also knew that with a Christmas album, we could tap into those memories. So we, you come in with a deep, with a long list of your favorite Christmas songs. And, you know, the bar for me is always, if this song, I might not best the original, that's not the goal. The goal is to just, you know, I don't want this to be a drag <laughs> when it's sitting next to the original version. Right. So yeah, we brought in Little Drummer Boy and Oh Holy Night. And, you know, we also expanded that table too, because I have to say, you know, my family, I have a big blended family like so many Americans and uh, there are Jewish people in my family. And, and you know, we I've this is 12 years now of celebrating uh, Hanukkah and, and Passover and, uh, you know, uh, those wonderful high holy days of a different faith, you know, incorporating those all into uh, my family's holiday tradition. So I have a traditional um, Hanukkah song on the album called Matsur. And uh, what else did we do? We did Old Lang Syne, of course. And yeah, we're just trying to also, you know, expand that table too and make this a celebration of all the holiday traditions, you know, yeah. if we could. And, and adding your own stamp in there. I mean, I think that's got to be the other thing. It's like, you know, how traditional do you keep, you know, songs that have been covered again so many times? Little Drummer Boy is a great example of that because here it's a very familiar thing, but you've added something new. I mean, what that choir is doing in there really does like, of course, I can sing along to it, but I'm getting something new out of the whole experience on that first listen. You know, that's I hope so. Yeah, they they forced us to up our game. We had we had a really sparse arrangement of that. It was it was really all percussion and voice. And then they sent us back their their take on it. We sent, you know, we've my producer, Joseph Abate, found this choir in South Africa, this youth choir. Amazing. And uh they sent us back something that was just so rich and they far exceeded our expectations. So we we had to go back in the lab and make that thing to uh what they had sent us. Yeah. Know? Uh, it, it's so great. And, uh, and, uh, my singer Matsur, is that how you say that? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got, uh, you've got your wife on that too. I mean, it, it should be pointed out. I mean, it sort of made that a family affair. Yeah. Like I said, man, it, this just reminded me of the holidays, you know? Um, and, and I, and I started imagining, we still don't know. Right. But I started imagining what this holiday season would be like, what might people be in need of, um, this particular Christmas, a Christmas unlike any other, um, and I, I, you know, I was thinking, thinking people are going to be sort of reaching for joy, something joyful, mm -hmm. um, and and also uh, something that might leave room for them to cry a little bit and feel a little bit too. It's it's been a it's been a long, hard, hard road. So I think the album encompasses all that. Uh, one of the surprises uh, I found on here was that you'd covered Winter Song, uh, which uh, originally. Sarah Bareilles, Ingrid Michaelson, you know, I know, I know them doing it, and I thought that makes sense. Keep it in the Broadway family a little bit, right there. <laughs> yeah, and I did it with uh, with the brilliant Cynthia Erivo, who I've worked together many, many times. But Cynthia and I have known each other for years, even before Broadway. Cynthia is the godmother to our daughter, so even with Cynthia, you know, we're keeping it in the family in a lot of ways. Just it feels, you know, I wanted it to feel like. For what it's worth, you know, Christmas at the Odoms, you know, Christmas, Christmas in our living room um, right. with a bunch of incredible musicians. Um, Melekelikimaka was, was that was another one that we mm -hmm. wanted to. Yeah, like that whole, you know, we uh, 
in, in a few years, we haven't, we don't do it every year, but every now and again, if we save our pennies up, right, we, um, we go to Hawaii, you know, around, we, we've done Hawaii as a family, you know, less than a handful of times, but it's, those, those have been special times. And so my wife was like, you know, I want to be able to do a Christmas concert in Hawaii when, when the world opens up. So yeah, Melikalikimaka is our, that's our pitch to Hawaii, like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, next time we come back, we want we want to be in a theater singing to you guys. Well, there's a there's sort of a bridge to what you're doing outside of this album, too, because what we do here before the album is this one off single uh, that you've re-recorded cold uh, with Sia. So what brought that on? Because that's not part of the album, but it sort of leads into the album. Yeah. Cold is, um, you know, I, I Sia has been a friend and. She's just been a friend, you know, for a few years. I met Sia backstage at Hamilton. Like I met so many of my heroes during my time there. And we, you know, I, we talked and exchanged info. And then I got a tweet, a DM from Sia, like, I don't know, two years after I'd left the show asking if I wanted to have coffee. And we met and she told me about this movie she was writing and directing. So I did a movie with Sia a few years ago. And from then, on like as I really started to press into the pop world with my sound, I really leaned on her for um, just guidance and advice. Every every now and again, I sent her the record and said, you know, kind of half joking. If there was anything you wanted to remix or collab on, you know, just let me know. But you know, more importantly, I just wanted you to know where the sound is going. And then, if you want to write in the future, you know, it was really it was really a future play. It's like Mister mm. might not be your thing. But I just want you to know where I'm going. So if I ever, if ever you think I can hang in your world, you know, let's make something. And she got back to me and she said, um, I'll sing on Cold. I love that song. And so she's given that song a new life um, because it's a big deal. You know, it's a big deal when an international pop star um, hops aboard something that you've made because it, you know, it. It's going to bring fresh eyes to the project. It's going to bring fresh ears to the project. I got a, a, a voicemail, a voice memo from my manager. He was so excited. Um, Mumbai, they, they're playing the song in oh, Mumbai. Wow. You know, we've never been played in Mumbai, you know, but it's just a, it feels like it is quite possibly the right song, the right sentiment, the right collaboration at the right moment, you know. Mm. That's a powerful moment. I mean, you guys sound great together. And and I want to ask, um, you know, you mentioned, you know, making a movie with her. Uh, the other side of your life, of course, is your, is your acting life. And one of the upcoming movies that I've got to ask about is One Night in Miami, which is uh, supposed to come out later this year, uh, which has you playing, if I got this right, Sam Cooke, but it's also teaming up with a young Cassius Clay. I'm here in Louisville. So, you know, the late, great Muhammad Ali is buried maybe a mile and a half from my house, you know. So t tell me about this experience and what, what we can expect from this movie. Man, a really special little movie um, that I ran away from as long as I could, because I, I, I got to tell you, I did not think that there was a, a version of Sam Cooke in me that was going to be believable to anyone. But I found my way thanks to the brilliant and skilled direction of Regina King and this very powerfully written script by Kent Powers. Um, it started as a play and they've turned it into a film. Amazon has required, uh, acquired the rights. It, it'll premiere in theaters on Christmas day. And then it goes to Amazon. You can watch it right from your living room, Martin Luther King weekend. So the top of January next year. And it's, a, it's um, based on a true event 
Of course, nobody was what well the, the event is, you know, young Cassius Clay goes to fight his first heavyweight championship bout with Sonny Liston, and nobody expects Cassius to win this fight. Sonny was the champ in the championship. And uh nobody ex- expected him to win except Cassius. And <laughs> so there's no victory party planned in Miami in 1964. Uh so Cassius spends the evening hanging out, you know, with his pals in a hotel room in the black section of town. Um and his pals just happened to be Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown. So they hung out all night together. The very next day, Cassius uh, says in front of the press, you will refer to me as Cassius X. So it was, it was at a really important you know, time uh, in his life and development. Uh, and the evening, the evening, as if you could imagine, you know, I don't think it it had any kind of import to those guys other than, you know, it was they knew it was a big night for their for their boy, for their their, you know, he, Cassius was like a little brother in a lot of ways to Sam and to Malcolm. So they knew it was a big night for Cassius, but it would be within a year, within a year, Kyle, Sam would be gone mm-hmm. and Malcolm would be gone. So then that evening is like, you know, if you could imagine, you know, you spend the night hanging out with your friends and, you know, four, three pals. And if in a year, two of them are gone. Yeah, you do go back and you go, what was the oh, my God, what was the last night? Let me turn this thing on. What was that last night? And what did we talk about? And what, you know, you're trying to put the pieces together in reverse. But um, no one was no one but those guys was in the room where it happened as it were so this this movie supposes it is a leap of the imagination imagining what those guys might have talked about what might that night have consisted of and kemp powers uh it's it's unlike a night unlike any other night you know that you could imagine because it's a special night but he just has them he kind of just has them in there hashing it all out you know It's, it's 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 there's fireworks well, I, I know. I mean, it would have been an important movie anytime. I'm sure there's. Uh, it, it could not be more. Uh, speaking to the time is what I'm trying to get at here. You know, a more important time for this to come out. So, really looking forward to this for a lot of reasons. I, does it also have you singing? I mean, you're playing Sam Cooke. Do you end up singing in the room? I do, and I and I, uh, I that was one of the reasons why. So even after I got the part, Kyle, I swear to you. Then I got the part and about a week and a half later, my calendar, they started filling up my calendar with like recording session. And I was like, what are these for? What are these recording sessions for? And they said, you have to record the Sam stuff. I not in a million years did I think they were going to have the actor playing Sam Cooke actually singing the Sam Cooke stuff. There's plenty of biopics where the actor lip syncs to the artist. And like, I thought maybe they were interested in me because they they would knew I I. I could approach the singing like that I would know where to breathe and those kind of things. But yeah, I do. I sing all of Sam's music in this in this film and uh, some of the, you know, I do you send me and um, sentimental reasons and a couple of the a couple of the B-sides as well. And then, of course, the the big one, the aria, his his masterpiece, a change is going to come. Man, that must have been something right there. I can't, I can't wait to hear that. I can't wait to see the movie. I really can't. And I know it's been a, a, even a more exciting year for you. Uh, you know, I'll wrap up by saying, you know, you mentioned Hamilton. It comes out on Disney Plus in the middle of the summer. The entire world can get to see it. I know that's probably uh, somewhat of a constant in your life, even as you get further and further away from actually being on that stage. But that must have turned it right back up to full volume, at least for a moment there. As much as, you know, as much as you can be turned up to full volume in this current well, 
yeah. with, with the current limitations. Yeah, but but um, for for it was a, it's a really strange thing. My wife was like, maybe it's you know, I mean, as far as that goes, maybe it's for the better because we we that film wasn't supposed to come out until next year in the theaters, and so we were kind of quietly you know we had been talking for a while about i wonder how our lives will change you know we're we gonna be able to go to the grocery store like what's that thing and you know look the thing comes out and everybody's in the house so so in a lot of ways my life hasn't changed at all you know there was a whole lot more activity on my social media accounts but that's about it you know mm-hmm. um but more important than that because it ain't about my life changing more important than that this they were able to bring this show into people's living rooms at a time where quite possibly people needed it the most. And so, listen, that's all you want. That is all you want as an artist. You want to make something useful to people, something that people, you know, that matters to to people in their lives and in their homes. And Hamilton has certainly done that uh, again and again and again. Yeah, I mean, to be a part of something communal all over the world, you know, or at least whoever can see Disney Plus around the world, at least, uh, we certainly enjoyed it over here. And I bring that back around to what you're doing. Uh, you know, we loved you watching you in the movies and Harriet's and uh, and this new Christmas album is so good, whether it's Halloween season or the middle of summer or whatever, dude, it's so good what you're doing. So congratulations again on this. And thanks so much for taking the time to talk about it today. Thanks, Kyle. Bye-bye. Now, it was only last year in 2019 that Leslie and I caught up for the first time. And at that moment, we were talking about his album called Mister, which was uh, billed as his first album of all original material. So we got to talk about the time he spent at Skywalker Ranch for a writing workshop that lent him some new tools for his songwriting, uh, creating music that spoke to past legends like Nat King Cole and Cap Calloway, while pushing his own sound more into the contemporary directions and preparing at that point for his first national tour. On the acting side, we also got to talk about the film Harriet's, the Sopranos prequel, and how both of those projects found their way into the lyrics and themes to his new music. So let's do part two, Kyle Meredith with Leslie Odom Jr. I'm good, Kyle. How you doing? Congratulations on this excellent album, Mister. It has been so much fun to listen to this record. You knocked it out of the park. Oh, I really appreciate that. Thanks. Thanks for listening. You know, it's billed as you know your first album uh, of original material. And what was the different uh, challenge for you this time around? You know, more than just obviously, I, I had to write the songs. <laughs> like, what was really different about yeah. this process this time? All of the albums have presented such unique little challenges. I'm almost afraid to say I'm excited to see what the next <laughs> what the next <laughs> album you know presents. But you know, the the first one, you know, those those jazz standards, trying to make them feel vital and contemporary and fresh was the challenge. The Christmas album, um, the Christmas album was like a, a tricky one. You know, if you if you will believe it, because you know, though the thing about Christmas music is that it needs to sound sincere. Mm-hmm. You know, it really needs to feel and sound honest. And so, you know, we've been singing Christmas music our whole life, but you go into a booth and you try to record one, and you listen back, and you're like, yeah, that. I can hear the cynicism or I can hear the, you know, like the, the half-assedness, but this one, it was just, yeah, like a lot of these songs 
started as journal entries, you know, so they were incredibly personal and I, and I didn't make it alone, you know, cause I think, you know, there's some singer songwriters, you know, who, if, I guess if you, if you can make an album top to bottom in your bedroom by yourself, you might have le- a few less challenges than I did, you know, on this one, but it was trying to do this extremely personal thing in a very collaborative way. Cause I had a big, you know, I had a big team of producers and, and collaborators. And so, um, it's trying to get everybody on the same page. We got there eventually, but it's not the most comfortable journey getting there always. But I often think that that tension, you know, you can make great art out of that tension. And, and as part of the story goes, and I think that the name Skywalker Ranch jumps out at a lot of people, you went for a, a songwriting camp. What tools would you say you were lacking and what did you pick up from that? I really needed help organizing my <laughs> thoughts and I really needed help, you know, streamlining it, making these random thoughts and ideas that I'd collected over, you know, a year and a half, two years, you know, making that all make sense into one project. Cause I want, I did want to, I didn't want to make an EP. I didn't want to just put out singles. I really wanted to make a single work, a, a piece of work, you know, something that spoke as one thought. And so I needed help and I was very grateful. I, I called my most brilliant friends that I'd been dying to work with and my manager called some people and we yeah we got about 15 writers together up in San Francisco and over the course of it was it was 4 days really over the course of 4 days we organ we we did all those things I just I just described to you and then it was another sort of 10 or 11 months after we we got the blueprint up in San Francisco and then it was another 10 or 11 months of actually you know, turning the blueprint into our our little house that you have in your hands now. And, and, and the cool thing about this record, there's a thread, it feels like a musical thread, but there's a lot of styles that you're touching on w- within that thread, uh, within the album, I should say. Were there any touch points musically that you were looking at to try to kind of pull it all together like that? Yeah, it's a good question. We When I signed my record deal a, a few years ago, I said I wanted to make the kind of music that Nat King Cole might make today. I didn't know what that meant. And I don't even know if that's what you would hear when you pick up this record. But this is what I meant by, you know, the Mr. really is the representation of what I'm what I meant by that. Because, you know, Nat wasn't making throwback, easy listening in his time, you know, Cab Calloway, Billy Eckstein. I mean, these guys were making you know, in a lot of a lot of cases, dance music. You know, they were making fun, popular music in their time. It sounds, you know, it sounds colored with yesteryear when we listen today. But they were they were trying to make contemporary pop music. So I wanted to do that. I wanted to do what whatever kind of music you know still would have like a a, a couch for the voice and the vocal and what, whatever thing could 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 sort of support. Um, a, a certain kind of storytelling that you hear in those great, you know, jazz vocalists, those great vocals of our time. That's that's the kind of music I wanted to make. And so I think you hear that on this, but that that's what that was our inspiration. That's what got us to Mr. That's what got us to the music that you hear today. I hadn't thought of it in the um, the context of like uh, of Nat King Cole. And I, I was thinking of uh, a, was a remix record they put out of him a few years ago that kind of updated the sound and uh it's one of my right. favorite albums you know it's uh, hearing it like that and i'll comment how you you start this record too because stronger magic i thought 
I, I don't know if you meant to do this purposely, and I guess this is the question, but how it starts as almost like, oh, here's a thread to my past. You know, it starts with that jazzy thing that you might know me for, and then that beat hits, and everything is pushed forward. Yeah, that was that's sort of the thesis of the whole project. You know, that, that song, I, I wanted to open with that tune because I felt like, you know, I felt like if you if you made it to the end of that tune, kind of all bets are off. You know, <laughs> everything that we do, everything that we do after that first tune, I think, makes sense once you hear it. You know, it's like it's all contextualized by that first tune for me. And that was the other thing, the weird thing that happened, like up in San Francisco after we'd written songs. I mean, what I'll say is, I mean, it really it really came out as this this really inspired thing because like the order of the record stayed the same for 10 months i mean like that never happened right. you know what i mean right it, it, kind of the, the the way that it came out of us is the way that it stayed you know we kind of stayed true to that there's one the the last two songs on the record are flipped everything else is exact i ordered it at san francisco after those four days in january and you know just kind of stayed that way but yeah, hearing how you kind of uh, use that in the past and the present, of course, you got the uh, the Cab Calloway uh, hook there and, and Go Crazy, which is one of the most fun songs I've heard lately. I haven't really uh, stopped oh, listening no. to that one. There's a lot of funness on here. There's also, I think, some heavier things going on. You you start the song standards using the, the Mr. Tibbs quote, and I don't think anybody would put that in there just for the fun of it. Uh, <laughs> what was the mindset there? What was the idea? When the, ti- the, the title is... Uh, came later i'll say that we the the record was it had a different title for a long time and then it's such a long story about how the title changed but you know once the title mister came to me i i really didn't know where it came from but i started to explore what that might mean to me and i wrote down all these references that i could think of in my life of what it meant and you know i just started finding all these connections and questions really you know because i think if art can, my, my favorite art, I should say, asks questions, makes me ask questions and sort of ponder. So Mr. Tibbs was one of those, you know, was one of those references. Once I had the title was one of those references that was at my fingertips. And, you know, I started to make those connections pretty early and I had a whole lot more. They are hard. The, the rights for those things are hard to, right. to get your hands around. But it was that one was essential, and so we, you know, we fought for that one. It's it, it's so short, but it's such a powerful moment. Like everybody knows that quote, you know, and so when that hits, you sort of understand that you're about to you're about to hear something, I guess, uh, yeah. more poignant. Yeah, I I hope so. I hope that's the way. It, I appreciate you saying that. I it felt it, it felt right to me. You know, there were there were there there are connections that I'm trying to make and statements that I'm trying to make with the. With the with that particular song, with the whole project, I, I'm being cagey <laughs> about it only because I'll say this: an artist, you know, you you live with this stuff for so long, and you know what it means to you. But uh, my favorite art, a lot of times, I find out that it was created on the conscious and subconscious level, mm-hmm. and so there there are things in it that even I don't understand. This childhood stuff and stuff that maybe if you if you were on a therapist's couch you discover oh that's why I did that right. but you know a lot of times the most fun thing about creating this stuff is hearing from an audience what it means to them or hearing from an audience what what they hear when they listen so I'm I'm also super interested in that part of the process this next phase of the journey where people hear the album and they tell me what it means right 
I hope you don't mind me pushing you a little bit further down there because I, you know, when I get to the song, you know, the song's at the end, uh, you know, Remember Black and that, that heads into Freedom. I, I don't know if I'm, I'm trying to draw a line here that isn't there, but uh, knowing that you were also doing the movie Harriet's, if not d- at the same time, but around the same time, I did wonder if yeah. one informed the other, you know, in a situation like this. Mm-hmm. Great question. I d- it's a very strange thing how that happens, how you sort of call certain things into your life when you're ready to, you know, I, I when I, like when I, after I got married, it was the strangest thing. Like I start, you know, I started getting offered all these husbands, you know, to play all these husbands. When I had my kid, people finally started to believe that I could play a dad because I wasn't. So no, it's it's a weird thing how that so how that happens. And so I do I do think that there are things that I'm pondering right now and things that I'm I'm considering in my work that for some reason they're coming to me in in all walks of life. I do think, I, so the, the short answer is, yeah, I do think those things inform each other. I, I filmed also in the smack dab in the middle of all this, I've shot the Sopranos movie. David Chase has taken the series and wow. made a major motion picture out of it. Young, uh, it's about young Tony Soprano. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So James Gandolfini's son, Michael Gandolfini, plays young Tony. It's a really special thing. But that that the film takes place during the <clears throat> Newark riot. And, uh, you know, without giving too much away, my, there's definitely the, there's themes from this record, uh, you know, that, that I can relate directly to what's happening in that movie. So it's it's a it's a weird thing, man, how that happens. Well, again, I, I love how you've done the record. I love how it's all come together. And I point out even moments like the joyful messenger, how those strings and the way it all ties together. I mean, there's such cool things mm-hmm. happening all throughout this. And and you're going to be touring it, right? Uh, is, that's coming up, what, in the in the new year? It is. It's my first tour. You know, um, people are looking at me like I'm insane when I say I can't wait to get on the bus. But I, I've never done that. I've never gone, you know, gotten on a bus and gone from city to city. So, yeah, we're we're excited. We're going to play small rooms a- around the country. You know, we I've done quite a bit of performing since leaving Hamilton, a lot with symphonies and orchestras and stuff. So we're playing these beautiful halls and performing art spaces around the country. Um, but with this record, we're going small again, and we're trying to cre- curate really special experiences for small groups of people, you know, because we need to give ourselves time to find this show live. Um, I got, I have grand ideas, big ideas, but it takes time. I'll say it's probably not an accident that, you know, three years after leaving Hamilton, um, within a month of each other, Mr.'s going to be, Mr.'s released, um, Anthony Ramos's album just came out that I love so much. David Diggs just put out a new clipping album that I love so much. It, that also happened in a really organic way, but I think that it took us all a moment to kind of clear the slate and figure out what we wanted to do next. You know, that in itself took a moment. Then it's like, well, how am I going to build that thing? And so we're kind of all coming into maturation at the same moment, which right. is pretty pretty awesome. Now, I can't wait to see one of these shows. And Leslie, thank you so much for the conversation today. Congratulations on Mr. I really appreciate it, Kyle. Thanks. My thanks, Leslie Odom Jr. Again, the new record is called The Christmas Album and uh, One Night in Miami, the, the next film on the way as well. Thanks to Leslie. Thanks to you for checking out this episode. Before you get out, please do hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all the interviews that we put out three a week iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or YouTube if you want to watch the video versions of these interviews as well. 
Then after that, head to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. It's an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, and bonus interviews. Again, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound, they've got your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith. Please do like and follow along there as well. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.